Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I am so glad you're joining me here on this episode of the show. On the Bible and Life, our goal is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology. That is theology, Bible teaching that's dressed in everyday life, that walks around in everyday life so that we can follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. So that's the goal. That's the heart behind this show. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome. I pray that you find this episode encouraging and strengthening to your faith. If you're a regular listener, man, I'm just glad you're part of the Bible and Life family. On this episode, I just want to offer a reflection. It's something I have been reflecting on for a few weeks. I've It grew out of a project I uh, was working on for a while, a writing project, and wrapped that up. And this particular passage and these thoughts have been uh, just on my mind since then. And uh, I even shared it uh, with my uh, email subscribers in an email that I send out e- each month. And uh, so I, I just really wanted to share this with you, and it really comes down to this question of what does God want most from us? Like, what what is he really after? And the reality is, obviously, God is complex and big, and our relationship with him is deep and multifaceted. And so I don't know that you could boil that down to just one thing exactly, Uh, There's a lot of things that are important to God and a lot of things he values. And yet at the heart of all the things that God values and wants out of his relationship with us and wants out of us in relationship to him and as his people in community, right? There's lots of things God wants. But at the heart of all of that, I do think there's a core thing that, uh, that really God desires from us more than anything else. And That's what this passage is all about. That passage is Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. So I just want to offer some reflections from Habakkuk 2, 4 over the next few moments with you. Now, let's be honest that the Old Testament prophets can be hard. They're confusing, right? They kind of speak in a weird way. They can be hard to understand. Some of that is because they're rooted in their historical context. But then you combine that with the fact that so much of them is written in poetry. So now you've got Hebrew poetry about Hebrew politics and Hebrew social life. And, you know, and we're talking about Hebrew social life in 6, 7, 800 BC. And the prophets can just be hard. But Habakkuk, I get. Habakkuk, I think, is probably my favorite Old Testament prophet, maybe because his book is short. Uh, And I can get my hands around it and I can get my head around it. I'm not sure, but I like the book of Habakkuk. In fact, I love what Habakkuk says in the message of the book of Habakkuk. And I understand this message. And this text from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 combined with how the book of Habakkuk ends, is just super encouraging. And let me just give you the backstory. So Habakkuk is writing sometime around the 600s BC. And the people of God in the region of Judah, the southern kingdom, remember, if you know your Old Testament story, partway through the Old Testament history, the nation of Israel split into north and south. The northern kingdom went by the name Israel. The southern kingdom was really the tribe of Judah and others, and so it went by the name Judah. And so in the 600s, 
all that's left is the southern uh, kingdom, Judah, because the northern kingdom has been destroyed by the Assyrians. And so here we are with Judah, the southern remaining kingdom, and the prophet Habakkuk is writing during that time period. And the people of Judah are being incredibly unfaithful to God. The leaders of the nation are being unfaithful to God. And Habakkuk is just dismayed as a faithful follower of God. And one of his spokesmen, he's dismayed with the wickedness and the injustice among his people. That's the setup for what happens in the book of Habakkuk. And then the book of Habakkuk simply records Habakkuk's interchange, a discussion with God about these things. And so you get Habakkuk's complaint right out of the get-go about all the wickedness in Judah. And then Habakkuk hears back from God and God tells Habakkuk, I'm actually going to do something about it. So I know you feel like I'm not doing anything, Habakkuk, but I'm going to do something about it. And what's he going to do? Well, he's going to send the Babylonians to punish Judah for their unfaithfulness and their wickedness. That's awful as far as Habakkuk is concerned. He knows who the Babylonians are. They're the world superpower of his day, and they're malicious, brutal, oppressive people. And so God says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, and I'm going to use them to punish Judah. And Habakkuk then is like, hold on, God. And that leads then to another complaint from Habakkuk where he essentially says, God, your solution is worse than the initial problem. The Babylonians are far more wicked than the people of Judah. How in the world can you use them to punish Judah? And then Habakkuk, after offering that complaint, says, I'm going to wait for your answer. I will wait and I will watch for the Lord to answer. And God does answer. And Habakkuk 2.4 is right at the heart of God's answer. In the first half of verse 4, God seems to be describing the proud, puffed up, kind of self-inflated person who does what he wants. His soul, he says, is not right within him. And that could refer to the Babylonians and the Babylonian kings, right? They think they're the greatest. They think they're awesome. It could refer to him. It could refer to some of the people and leaders and unfaithful ones in Judah, right? Who are just proud and puffed up and doing their own thing. But then the contrast, the second half of verse four is, but the righteous one will live by his faith or by faithfulness. And so you have the proud puffed up one who goes his own way, does his own things, depends on himself, relies on himself, thinks he's the greatest. And then you have the person who's right with God, the righteous one, the one who's actually walking the way God wants him to. And how does he walk? Well, he walks by faith. And that's the heart of Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. That is at the heart of what God wants from his people. God wants people who walk by faith. The righteous person shall live and walk by faith and faithfulness to Yahweh. That's the point. Well, this text, Habakkuk 2, 4 then, gets uh, quoted several times in the New Testament to emphasize this idea that a person who's in a right relationship with God, a deep relationship with God, that, that, is, that relationship is marked by faith. Probably the most well-known place Habakkuk 2.4 is quoted in the New Testament is Romans chapter 1. In Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul says, 
that the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And then he says this, 117, he says, For the gospel reveals the righteousness of God, God's saving justice, that comes uh, by faith from start to finish. That's from faith to faith. It's fully of faith, right? God's saving justice is for those who are people of faith. Just as it is written, he says, the righteous one will live by faith. And there he quotes Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And so the gospel reveals God's saving justice that comes by faith. And that was talked about clear back in Habakkuk 2.4, where Habakkuk realized, or God told Habakkuk that, look, you don't get this. You don't understand what I'm up to. But the, the person who's in a right relationship with me has to trust me and has to walk by faith. And Paul is saying, it's the same today in Christ. We are those people who, uh, we are in a right relationship with God because of faith. Paul makes the same point in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. He says, and it's clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous one will live by faith. That it is living by faith, walking by faith that puts one in a right relationship with God. Or Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Hebrews 10.38 quotes Habakkuk 2.4 and then uh, that that becomes a springboard into Hebrews 11, the well-known faith chapter. Like Hebrews 11 is this, what is often called as the hall of fame of faith, but that's an exposition of Habakkuk 2.4 that's quoted in Hebrews 10.38. Hebrews 10.38 says, now my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I'll take no pleasure in him. And so he quotes Habakkuk 2.4, and then you get all these examples of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It is an exposition of Habakkuk 2.4. And so at the heart of New Testament theology about how a person uh, gets into a right relationship with God and how a person lives in right relationship with God is faith. And Habakkuk 2.4 is the model of that faith. And so coming back to Habakkuk 2.4, here's what's going on. Habakkuk has complained to God about the wickedness among his people and that God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. Then God responds and says, I am doing something about it. I'm sending the Babylonians. Then Habakkuk complains again and says, God, your cure is worse than the disease. The Babylonians are just awful. How can you use them? And God essentially says to Habakkuk, he says, trust me, Habakkuk. I know what I'm doing. Though it doesn't make sense to you, and though Babylon is far more wicked than Judah, I'm going to use them for my purposes. I'm going to use them to deal with my people. And then I will deal with them, and I will take care of them. And so it, it may not make sense to you. It may not seem right to you. But Habakkuk, you got to trust me. You got to trust me. And that principle goes beyond Habakkuk and Babylon. It goes clear into the present day. And that's why these New Testament authors quote Habakkuk 2.4. The same is true. You want to be in a right relationship with God? You want to have a deep relationship with God? Then you've got to trust him. I've got to trust him. Even when it doesn't make sense. 
even when God's ways are hard to understand, even when what God is up to in the world makes you scratch your head, whether at a big global level or at a deep personal level, what's going on in our life, there are times where it's like, I just don't understand, God. Where are you? This, this request seems clearly in keeping with your will and you're not answering or look at all the injustice in the world. God, where are you in the midst of all this? And God says to us, just like he said to Habakkuk, trust me, trust me. What Habakkuk 2.4 shows us is that faith is the key to righteousness and life. God desires a loving, loyal trust in him more than anything else. So even when his ways don't make sense, we need to trust him. Even when what's going on in the world may not make sense, we trust him. That's what God wants more than anything else is loving, loyal trust in him. Well, Habakkuk took the lesson that God gave him to heart. And he heard God's word and he basically opened his heart and opened his hands and said, okay, Lord, I don't get it. I don't like it. The Babylonians are awful and that's going to be terrible. So God, it doesn't make sense to me and I'm not a fan of it. Yet I trust in you. Yet I, I will walk with you by faith. And we know Habakkuk got that lesson because of how he ends his book. The, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, three short chapters, ends with really a pledge of trust by Habakkuk with a beautiful poem. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18 says this, Even if the fig tree doesn't blossom, and there is no fruit on the vines, and the yield of the olive fails, and the fields produce no food. What Habakkuk has just listed off is their entire economy, everything they depended on figs and grapes and olives and wheat and barley. In other words, if our entire agricultural economy collapses, even if the flocks disappear from the folds and there is no cattle in the stalls, in other words, if we have no sheep or goats or cows, like everything, like everything that made for life for them, this is everything that was life for them, even if all of that happens, Habakkuk says, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And then he ends the book with these words. He says, the Lord God is my strength. He has made my feet like the deer's feet, and he's enabled me to walk in high places. Man, what a beautiful pledge of trust by Habakkuk. Like if everything goes south, if our whole livelihood is taken away, if everything that's beautiful and good and makes life possible in the midst of this world is stripped away, yet I will proudly rejoice in the Lord. I will, I will be glad in the God of my salvation. And so may we be a people like Habakkuk that learns this lesson of trusting God, clinging to him tightly, even when life doesn't make sense. May we find our gladness and our joy in him, even if our circumstances are less than ideal, or even if our circumstances are absolutely devastating and awful. May we find our joy, our happiness, our gladness, 
uh, our sense of confidence and celebration, may we find it in him because he is trustworthy. He is steadfast. He is dependable. And so I pray that this encourages you as it has encouraged me to depend on the Lord and rejoice in him regardless of what comes your way in life. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. And thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Uh, may God bless you. May he lead you. May he make his face smile upon you and give you great joy as you set your gaze on him. God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week in Christ. I look forward to talking to you again next week.